Nation. Guys, this is going to be a fun episode. If you love a true life Rocky story like I do, definitely hang out, kick back, because this is going to be a game-changing and possibly um, it might change your whole life and it also might change your eternity. So make sure you check, stay till the end of the show. But guys, I want to thank our sponsors, as you guys know. Our, our sponsors are 100% veterans 100% of the time. If you guys love hand handmade woodworking, check out Kurt Balish at, at, at balishwoodworks.com. Does the most amazing work, and he will specifically make it for you. I had my wife, I made my wife um, a cutting board for, uh, for her Mother's Day. She uses it every day, and we tr- truly love it. So check out Balish Woodworks. Eric, my brother. What's going on? Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Oh man, I'm I'm so blessed. I, I got I get the chance to wake up and be a father and a husband today. So I'm I'm doing great. If I can just wake up and be able to do those two things, then God has really blessed me. What about you? Man, I'm doing awesome, dude. I, I'm the same way, man. If I can open my eyes in the morning, that's win number one. You jump out of bed, you make the bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds, man. It's gonna be an awesome day. You know who you sound like, my friend Zach. You sound exactly like Zach Babcock. Your Zach's voice, a good friend of mine. It, yeah, that's why I think that's why I think that's <laughs> we, uh, we we started to jam. Yeah. So, um, I just want to say, first of all, you know, get the important things out of the way. Thank you for being a brother in Christ. Oh, that's, man. that's the most important thing to me. Yeah, best decision I ever made, man. Everything else is gravy after that. Yep, exactly. So, so let's get into your story because I, I love your story and I've read your bio about five times now and you're pretty much telling my story. So, <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> all right. So let's hop back in the way back machine. Tell us where you're from, where you grew up and what kind of little boy was Eric? You know, I grew up in Eastern Washington uh, in a place called Tri-Cities or Kennewick, Washington was the exact city there. You know, and I grew up in what I thought was a typical household. You know, we went to Sunday school, I played little league, you know, and, life was good, man. My dad would take my best friend, Dave and I, and literally throw us in dumpsters behind big stores and say, go find treasure. That was like typical Saturday morning, you know, for us, just go out and adventure. And my parents decided to get a divorce when I was 11 years old. I'd never heard of that word before. I didn't know anyone who'd gotten a divorce before. So it was very strange. And it, it was a shock to my system, I believe. And, you know, so my, my mom ends up getting together with this guy pretty quickly after everything went down and he was very physically abusive. I mean, from the get go. And so it didn't it, it was weird to me that she decided to stay with this guy at one. Uh, but then they ended up getting pregnant, you know, and and so then they did the smart thing and they they moved us to Stevensville, Montana. And I say that sarcastically because, you know, Stevensville, Montana is a great place. I was they they we moved up there in the middle of my eighth grade year. So go up there and they rent this house on five acres, beautiful property, ponds, like trees right by the Bitter River. The house they rented, though, had three bedrooms. And it was one for them, one for my little brother who's just a few months old at this time, and then one for my sister who's about uh, who's four years younger than me. And so they said, Eric, you're going to live in the garage. Uh, they literally had this plastic tarp at the end of my bed that separated my bed from the truck that pulled in. And luckily, my half of the garage had a fireplace in it that kept me semi-warm during those winters of Montana when it would get to negative degrees. And so that was where I lived, man. And then, you know, one night when I was 13 years old, they came home arguing, wasn't anything different than any other night, but I was brushing my teeth. And I really felt like in that moment, as I was brushing my teeth, that God was speaking to me. And he said, man, you got to turn around. You got to look and see what's going on. 
And so the way the house was set up was behind me from the bathroom was the kitchen to the pantry to the garage door where my room was at. And so as I turned around the corner, he's on top of my mom in the pantry there and just one punch after the other, boom, 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 you know, right to her face. And I'm like, dude, I got to stop this guy. So I walked up behind him. I grabbed a cast iron pan out of the cupboard and I swung as hard as I could. And I split the back of his head open. And in that swing, he turned around and he said, what the, and as he said that I took another swing and split his forehead open and still didn't knock him out. He was so drunk, but I had fallen over in that second swing. And I remember him standing up over me and he was yelling and my mom jumped up and landed like six punches in a row, blood splats on the wall. I mean, crazy cops finally show up, take him to jail. My mom doesn't press charges. Next thing you know, I'm kicked out. So I got kicked out of the house. I had three months left in my freshman year of high school at that time. And so I remember, you know, my buddy Forrest and his dad, they had this house in downtown Stevensville that we would walk to school and I, I got to go live with them. I slept on their hardwood floor for the last three months of my freshman year, man. And uh, it was just an interesting thing, man. And that set me on this path of destruction for the next 10 years of my life. So, you know, now just listening to your story, um, it reminds me of a, a book I read called A Child Called It and where the child actually had to sleep out in the garage and uh, oh wow you know it, it just that just really uh hit home for me um and now like when I, I was out on my own at the age of 16 and so talk to us you know what a day was like at, you know from ages you know 14 to 18 what your day was like and and how did you survive yeah, so I went back to live with my dad in Washington State, back in Kinnewick, where I you know, originally started there. And he rented a house for him and I. And he would put 20 bucks in the cup for my lunch money for the week. And then he'd fill the freezer with Hunger Man meals and cereal milk in the house and make sure there was food in there. And then he'd go stay with his girlfriend. So most of the time, I stayed by myself at the house. I'd see my dad in passing a few times a month. But it was up to me to get up, to catch the public transportation bus to school and to do my homework to get everything done and I was I wasn't a very good student I mean I think I graduated with like a 2.8 GPA or something like that but I was getting stoned before school I was getting stoned at lunch I was getting stoned after school I got into you know taking acid and mushrooms and opium and hash and you know if, if the the hit acid was five bucks but I could go to the store and buy a bottle of Dexter uh, morphine cough syrup uh, for 250. So I'd go and do that instead, you know. And so I uh, got into drugs and, and really hallucinogens pretty early on. And then when I was 18 years old, it kind of caught up to me. I caught, I got caught with a bong. Uh, we were out camping and I got, uh, I had to go to jail for 24 hours. And it was pretty scary for sure. I was 145 pounds. I was still a senior in high school, but I had the black and white chain gang outfit on, bright orange slippers. And, uh, you know, you'd think it would wake me up. It really didn't. I was on probation for a year. And so I quit doing drugs for a year, but what it did was enhance my drinking. And so I started drinking. And then two weeks after I graduated high school, I woke up to a post-it note on the bathroom mirror that said, you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. And so at that point, it was like, all right, we got to do this adult thing and you know, let's start making this, things happen. And so I ended up living off of credit cards, basically, and bouncing around from house to house for a while. Uh, in fact, between the ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times. And uh, moved up to Seattle with 100 bucks in my pocket during that time and slept on floors and, like I said, lived off those credit cards and, you know, until I could find a, a place to live and get a solid job. And by the time I'm 21, I was $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy. 
And uh, so that was kind of a, you know, living up there. And then I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm basically at the bottom of the bottom, you would think. Uh, but during that time, I was also able to get an internship with Universal Records, uh, which didn't help my drinking at all because I was able to go to two to three concerts a week and I had unlimited tabs. Uh, and so, you know, the year prior to that, my manager or my, my buddy was a manager at an outdoor venue called The Gorge. And so I had this two year span of probably going to about 175 concerts, open tab at every single one of them and, you know, live that rock star lifestyle, man. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, living that rock star lifestyle, um, you don't really see a lot of 80 year old rock stars. You know, they, they really don't, they, you know, they really don't live that long. Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, they just see the front, the front of the house, uh, how exciting it is, but they don't see the back of the house. Totally. Actually, yep. lonely, you know, being an entertainer is. And I think that's why people like Robin Williams eventually end up committing suicide because we don't really know what's going on. We just put, you know, we just give that impression, you know, what we want people to see, but not who we really are. Yeah. So yeah. talk to me about because you're, literally you're telling my story um, <laughs> and, and stuff. Awesome. I'm just so grateful. I, you know, I think God puts you in my life for a reason. Come on, man. And, and, I, and I just want to say thank you. Um, oh, thank you. So, you know, everybody has their come to Jesus moment. Yeah. For me, it was staring up at the police officers looking at five years for grand larceny hmm. and the officer gave me a break told me i had to go to aa for 90 days and i think i hit like 300 meetings in a row haven't had a drink since 1989 come on man that's what, awesome so what was your take us back to that breaking moment when it, when you know it says you know in the bible you know every knee shall bow Every tongue shall confess. So yeah. what was your come to Jesus moment? There was two significant moments, or actually three, I think, that, that led me down the path to, to giving my life to Christ. And one, one, one of them was while I was still in the music business. I was in my early 20s. I remember being at a concert, and there was a girl that was not old at all because I'm 41, but she was probably in her early 30s, so she was much older than me at the time. And, and I just remember this moment, and it's so clear to me that said, in my, and I think this was God speaking to me, but really saying, dude, I don't want to be her age and still going to concerts every night and not having a family. I want to have a family. I want to have a normal life. Yes, I love concerts, but I don't want to be out here five nights a week doing this thing. So that was the first thing that really I think God was speaking to me. And I ended up getting laid off of my, from Universal Records on my one-year anniversary during the Napster days. And that really set me into this depression. I was working at Starbucks at night. And I would get off work. I'd go to the store, get a six pack of beer, go to my really ghetto apartment and drink myself to sleep every night. Had no friends. I was really depressed. And one night this girl walked into Starbucks and, and she'd come in before, but she doesn't drink coffee. She'd come in and study. And I didn't really talk to her that much. But one night she decided to ask me if I was interested in going to this college age event down at her church. And I thought, man, I got no friends. Uh, I'm depressed. I'm alone. And she's good looking. Yeah. What time do I need to be there? you know and so i ended up going to this event and it was definitely the seed was being planted again because i got there and there was all of a sudden all these guys that i knew from back in the other side of the state I, my brief stint in college i knew some guys man i haven't seen you in five years i haven't seen you in seven years it's just a strange connection and about a month later it was easter 2004 i was managing a band we went out and played a concert the night before easter and i woke up passed out you know from after passing out of my buddy's basement probably 15 other dudes in the, in the basement. And 
I woke up early and I felt God saying, man, you're going down this path that's going to end your life real quick if you don't start making some changes. And so I decided in that moment right there in that my buddy's basement I, to give my life to Christ. And I just quit cold turkey drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up who, who invited me to that church event and said, hey, thanks for inviting that church event. Maybe I'll see you at the, the store sometime. And I got her voicemail. And a month later, we were dating. And now we've been married for almost 17 years, man. I love it. You know, and I think, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, he yeah. knows what he's doing well, you yep. know, one way or another. We, it may not make sense to us, but he has his ways. So, yeah. talk to us, you know, like I, I've been in recovery now, I guess 33 years. I think after 30 years, I just kind of forget, you know, sure. how long. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for me, and like I tell people on the show, you know, if you want to change your life, there's three things you, you need to do. You know, they say you got to clear the wreckage of the past. So, three things that I, I recommend is one, for, ask forgiveness from the people that you've hurt forgive those that have hurt in you but also the hardest one obviously is to forgive yourself for some yeah. things because because you can't run on a treadmill and keep on throwing stuff in your rucksack eventually right. going to outweigh you so mm -hmm. talk to us about how you started to clear your pet your future did you also start clearing the wreckage of the past uh, a little bit, I guess. I mean, so what I had to do is I had to get out of that environment, right? So I had to call my buddies and say, hey, man, for me, I'm not healthy. I've got to get take a break from the party scene. I've got to take a break from this stuff. And so I, I really took this six-month break from going out to the party scene, going to the bars or anything like that. And I replaced it with meeting with guys that were going to the church that had great marriages, that had great businesses, that had great walks with Christ. And I you know, before podcasting, before I was podcasting, it was like, hey, man, I just want to take you out to coffee. I want to understand your story. How did you get to where you're at? What are you doing to sustain the life that you've got going on? And so I would just like soak up every moment that I could with these guys that were living the life that I wanted to live. So I was surrounding myself with the right people, right? And then I started reading books like crazy. And yes, I had to go through this turmoil almost of like trying to forgive myself. What you said, that's the hardest thing to do. I, I went through the process of forgiving the people that were involved in my life. And, you know, forgiving those. And I don't know that I got in contact with anybody uh, to say that, you know, hey, ask for, you know, here's my forgiveness or, you know, would you forgive me? I, I just kind of moved on and went went through the the mental stages of saying, okay, I forgive these people, but now I have to understand that my past and other people's opinions do not define my future. I can make a change at any moment. And that's exactly what I decided to do. And so I just started surrounding myself with the right people mentally had to get through that mentally had to break through that barrier of saying, man, God went to that cross for me and whatever I did in the past, it's over. It's done. We start fresh right now. Let's go. And so then I set this goal to just change the legacy of my family. So I wanted to break the chains of addiction, abuse, and, re and you know, all of that. And, and, and so my wife being uh, who she is, she came from a broken family as well. So we kind of had this idea when we first got married of like what we did not want in the marriage. Right. But we also brought some junk with us that we also kind of had seen throughout our lives. And so we had to work through that. I went to, I, I went to therapy to see a counselor about a year and a half into being married because I wanted to figure out what the heck was going on. Right. And so it helped so much to go be with this counselor and just talk it out. I'd never done that before. And, you know, my wife and I, we just took the first five years just to be us. We got to, you know, we went camping, we went down to Mexico and we built homes for people. Like we just did everything that we could 
and we got to know each other for the first five years. And it was the best decision we ever did. Our kids are 11 and eight now. And, and, you know, it's been a fun journey. See, you know, and I love that. And, you know, one thing that I've learned, you know, like you said, talking to, you know, having our own shows and being able to talk to successful people, you yeah. know, that I realized, you know, just having this show that we can change um, generational curses into generational blessings. Oh, for you, sure. You know, yeah. and, and I think that once we make, you know, I love what you said. You said you made a decision. Now I had, I throw every April, I throw my own mental health summit. It's called today. I decide. Come on. Cause, cause, cause that's the three most important words in English language are today. I decide. Yes. Once you make that decision, all you have to do is act upon it. And you don't have to be that same person that you go, that, that you go to bed at night as right. the person that woke up that morning. Cause the same person that woke up that morning for me on nine 11 is not the same person that went to bed that night because I made that decision. So talk to us about, you know, obviously, you know, we both grew up with broken homes. Yeah. I mean, we've, you know, we've had men in our lives, but not, nothing really to brag about. Right. So what was it like, you know, becoming a father and, you know, cause like when I, when I had my daughter nine years ago, um, I didn't know how to be a father. I was scared, you know, crapless. I was scared. Yeah. But I just learned, you know, I started watching what successful people did. So yep. talk to us about fatherhood and how you learned how to be a father and a husband. It was a lot of trial and error. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, you know, I think it was scary. It, you know, and my wife was such a trooper, man, that our first when our daughter was born, man, my wife was in labor for 36 hours. And, you know, it was just insane. And I was definitely scared. But I remember this moment when my daughter was first born and they were had brought her out and they got her on the table and they're cleaning her up and she was crying. And I said, you know, Hey, I'm your daddy. And she stopped as soon as she heard my voice. I always used to speak into my wife's belly. Like, man, I can't wait to see you. I love you, baby girl. Can't wait to see you. And man, it was like, boom. It, I felt in that moment, like God made this connection and my, and my daughter and I, we have this great connection. I have a great connection with my son too, it, but it was this, that moment that I felt like, God, man, he's put me in this position uh, to, to be a father of this little child, man. And the drive home from the hospital was the scariest drive I've ever had in my life. We only lived three miles from the hospital, but I had you know, my wife and my new baby in the backseat of our car, and I'm driving and I'm coming up to an intersection that's got a free right turn. This guy jumps the curb, almost hits my car. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? Like I speed up so he doesn't hit me. No less than a mile down the road. It's a straightaway. This guy on a motorcycle zips past me going like probably 90, 100 miles an hour. In my rear rear mirror, I see him start to wiggle a little bit, and he bites it and shoots down the concrete 100 feet. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. I just got to get home and protect my family. And so that's been my mission, man, just to protect them and and be that father. And I had to surround myself with with guys that I saw as good dads that were in the church that had you know, they decided to either break chains or they decided to change legacies or they were just excellent at being dads and husbands. And I just surrounded myself with them. I, you know, joined the small group of our church pastor. And, and so that was really cool just to get mentorship from him and other guys that were in my age that were also fathers. I love it. So now we got to talk about your podcast and your show. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love all the guests you've had, you know, but but one really pops out. Well, two actually pop out. Zach, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but Mr. Ed Milet is is um, 
probably one of my probably my biggest mentor. Yeah. And I think, you know, just the way he, he lives his life, I think, is, is something to really look up to for me. Um, so talk to us about your show and how you started it and why you started it. So Top Rated MMA originally started as an apparel company in 2012. And my wife came up with a name and, you know, I thought we're going to make a bunch of money selling shirts to the MMA community. I'm not a fighter, but I'm a huge fan of MMA fighters and, and the sport. And it took off really fast and then it dropped really fast. We made a lot of bad business decisions. We didn't do a business plan or anything like that. And in 2015, I actually got bored with it and put it in an ad in Craigslist and said, who wants to buy this company? You know, one guy called me up and offered me a couple grand. And in that call, I decided I wasn't ready to quit on it. So I spent the next year kind of like ho-humming the business, just barely getting through and decided in 2017 to start this thing called a podcast. I'd never heard of that really before, but I thought if I can get fighters on my show and ask them, why do they want to get in a cage and get punched in the face? That might be a good story. I'm, I'm, you know, I want to understand why they want to do that. No idea what I was doing. I was in a walk-in closet for almost my first hundred episodes didn't look in the camera, didn't even look in the, you know, uh, I was all over the place, bad microphone, bad lighting, obviously. And I actually didn't even know about Apple podcast. Uh, the first probably hundred episodes I released, I just uploaded to YouTube and Facebook. And then someone's like, how can I listen to your show on Apple? And I was like, what the heck is that, man? You know, so I really had no idea. And so that's the top rated May show. It drops every Saturday. I talk with up and coming in May fighters and that's still going strong. But in 2018, I came across Ed Milet. Never heard of that guy before, but I came across a video on YouTube of him, and I thought, man, this guy is speaking directly to me. Like, is he in the room? Has he been watching my life? Like, everything that he was talking about was sitting on my heart so much, and I was like, I got to get his book. I, I want to read this thing. And I just started, like, sponging off of every video that he'd ever put out. Like, I was just watching all of them. I was like, man, this guy. I love these interviews. The people that he's got on his show, this is unbelievable. And... In 2019, he issued the Max Out Challenge on Instagram to his about a million followers at the time. And he said, hey, I want you to submit a one-minute story to me of what you're passionate about. Why are you doing what you're doing? What drives you to be successful? And so I submitted this story, really having no idea. I'd never contacted him before. I was just following him on Instagram, submitted the story. And about a month later, him and my, uh, myself and a, a, a company or a camp called Camp Agape, which is a Christian-based camp down in California, we were announced as the Max Out Challenge winners. And so we each got phone calls with Ed. And that call that I had with Ed, I was able to record that and release that as episode 12 of my show or took highlights of it. And that call was supposed to go 20 minutes. We ended up talking for 30. It absolutely changed my life. Ed was so down to earth, very wanted to know everything about me and shut off all distractions around him. I mean, it was, we were on a Zoom call and the background was the ocean behind his house out there, you know, in Laguna Beach. And, and it was just like, oh my gosh, I'm literally talking to Ed. And he's like, dude, I know people in Coeur d'Alene where you're at. I know these people go walk in, tell me you're a friend of Ed's, like all this stuff. It was life-changing call, just what he spoke into me. And I was the inspiration behind starting the Eric Allen show. And that's where I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. That drops every Friday. And, you know, since that, uh, I've been able to speak to guys like Brad Lee and Bedris Koulian, 
Um, I actually spoke to Sean Whalen prior to Ed. So, you know, I've had some really great guests on there. Tim Story, Eric LeGrand, Jim the Rookie Morris, you know, Dan Eric Caldwell. Legrand, my brother from Rutgers University. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah what, so, a, what a big heart that gentleman has. Oh, totally, man. And it's such a great dude. And so, I mean, just been blessed to speak to some amazing people. And I feel God's just opened up those doors. And, you know, there's some really cool things that are in the pipeline right now. And I've been on this tour this year to, to be a guest on 100 podcasts. And so I want to thank you for being part of that because today is actually my 101st interview of the year. So you set me over my goal with this interview. So thank you so much. Breaking records, baby. Yeah. Uh, but now I don't know if you know, a lot, a lot of people don't know that I used to be uh, an MMA fighter. Were you really? Oh, nice. Uh, but my my wife made me retire. Okay. Once I realized that I had my nose broken and all my teeth, bottom teeth knocked out. And I won the fight. So nice. It's right. like, uh, no, uh, you're going to retire and you're never going to fight again. So I, <laughs> I tell people, hey, you want to fight? Get married. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> That's awesome. So, so talk to us about, you know, wh- why you have such a heart for veterans and, you know, and stuff that you do through organizations like Hire Heroes and, and uh, so on. You know, it started actually as an adult. Well, I, I, let me go back a little bit. When I was 18 years old, I got one recruitment call and I was probably stoned out of my mind. And I was not a nice guy to that guy. I don't know who it was. I don't even remember if it was the Army or Marines or whatnot, but one guy called me up and, and I just went off on him. I didn't want anything to do with it. And as I got older, and even to this day, I kick myself every day for not joining that brotherhood. Um, You know, as I got older, I realized what a mistake that was. But I also realized how much sacrifice military personnel, police, EMT, firefighters, they literally put their lives on the line for me on a daily basis. And so when we started Top Rated MMA, we wanted to be different. We wanted to stand out. We wanted to be able to give back through that. We didn't want it to just be this selfish endeavor, you know, endeavor. And Brian Stan, who was in the UFC at the time, started this organization called Hire Heroes USA. That's how I heard about Hire Heroes USA. So I reached out to him and I said, man, we want to partner with you guys. We want to be able to give back to you guys. Every, you know, when we first started, it was like, hey, we'll give you a buck per shirt that every every shirt that we sell. Uh, and now we've just kind of switched to a, a percentage. And but we've been giving to them since 2012 on a monthly basis. And Hire Heroes, they help transition veterans and their families back into the workplace with free job placement, free job training. Great organization. They're they've blown up over the years and, and, you know, they started around the same time as us. So it's been cool to see their growth and what they're doing and that impact they're doing. But I'm so thankful for military personnel and police and everything like that, because anytime and just for what they do, but anytime that I see them out in the streets or, you know, at the store or something like that, like I'm going up and I'm shaking hands, man. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for your service. And my kids now, it's so cool to see them because they'll go, dad, there's a, there's an army guy or dad, there's a police officer, dad, there's a firefighter. Let's go say thank you to them. You know? And so I've kind of put that, you know, my kids have seen me do that. And then now they're excited to go say thank you to those guys as well. And so the appreciation uh, for them is just to say, thank you, man, for, for what they do. You know, so many people out there, I think they're more loved than they are disrespected. Uh, The media likes to spin that around. Right. Uh, But Man, I just have so much respect for for military. Well, thank you. I'm a I did 23 years. So come thank on, man. You so thank much. you for your service. And and we we love you guys. Now, I think you know MMA. I think you know fighters 
you know, I've interviewed a lot of, you know, Navy SEALs, Navy SEAL commanders, um, Delta Force operators. They all have that mindset of um, I'm not going to quit one more rep. You know, um, like my friend, John McCaskill, he was a retired Navy SEAL commander um, and he's friends with David Goggins. You know, they went to buds together and they said they they survived because they said they're either going to pass out or I'm going to do another push up. I'm not going to quit. So what is some of the top things that you see that the successful fighters, what makes them tick? And, you know, what makes them, you know, successful? Man, it is, it is the mindset for sure. Um, I think mindset in is such a big player in the fight game. It's way more, you know, than the physical game. Yeah, great. Obviously, you need that. But you also need to be mentally strong. Um, and so those fighters that I see successful, they're the guys that are day in and day out pushing themselves for that one more rep, pushing themselves for that one more round. Like keep going no matter what. They're they're guys that are just in the gym pushing themselves to the limit on a daily basis. And, you know, I've had lots of guys on my show that have that were newer. And I've had guys like Ken Shamrock's been on my show twice. So it's been fun to talk with him and hear his perspective on things. But you know, it's just so cool to see those guys, those fighters that come on my show and they're fired up, man. They're ready to go. They're like, I know what I've been called to do. I've been called to come on here and be a world champion. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And it's that mentality that helps push people further. You know, I, one of the quotes that I have on my wall in here is it says the purpose of pain is to, is to move us into action. It is not to make us suffer. And so as we go through these, whether it's training mentally or physically, man, that pain, it's moving us into better and more action, I think. I love it. Now, you know, a lot of people don't realize because, I mean, I had the privilege and honor to run Lennox Lewis's training camp when he was nice. a great boxer of the world. But, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, you know, like everybody knows, hey, you got your people in your corner. But when we get in there or when they got in there, everything gets shut off. The noise. Yeah. You can have your trainers yell and every, everything. You don't hear shit. You're, you're, right. just, you're in the zone. Yep. So, you know, I think a lot of people could take that, you know, for in business to get into that zone and don't let others distract you. What oh, you, yeah. So talk to us about that, getting, you know, focusing, you know, niching down, getting into that zone, especially with podcasting, because I, you know, like I just had Mr. Uh, John Lee Dumas on yes, uh, last week. Come on. And something that we talked about was, you know, t- sometimes you have to really, really niche down. Yeah, you know, like he says, you know, go inch wide, but go a mile deep. You know, a yeah. lot of us start a podcast, and then it's because we're we're trying to talk to everybody, yeah, talk to nobody. So, yep. talk to us about niching down, especially if we're going they're going to start a podcast and finding the right avatar. You know, I think it's when it comes to podcasting and entrepreneurship, it's very similar to the mentality of MMA fighters. You know, when I ask the MMA fighters, like, why do you want to get punched in the face? Right. It's the same question that I ask for entrepreneurs. Why do you want to get punched in the face? Hopefully not physically. Right. But, but mentally we're going through rejections. We get nose, we get shut down, we fail, we go bankrupt, we get divorced or whatever. Right. Hopefully none of that happens, but you still keep going on because you've got this end goal. You've got this why that you're fighting for. And when it comes to podcasting, when I teach people like, Hey, you know what, whatever you're passionate about, whatever drives you, like makes you happy. Talk about that. 
find people that are doing that. Go listen to podcasts that are doing that and make some tweaks and like put out a show. Success leaves clues. If you see a podcast out there that's very that's talking about what you're passionate about, don't copy them, but do something similar because you're going to get to the same spot, right? It's going to motivate you to be better. So when you say niche down, absolutely, that's so important because when I first started the Eric Allen show, it was actually called the Bearded Biz Show. And if you've seen a picture of me online, I have a little bit of a beard. And so just with, a little bit, just a little bit, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so my wife, though, being the smart one, because I'd released, I don't know how many episodes, 60, 70 episodes of the Bearded Biz Show. And even I had Brad Lee on the show. He's like, what's the show called? Bearded Biz? What's the show? Like, I don't have a beard. You know, like, and so I realized that after going through that and I tell my wife, like, yeah, they asked me like, hey, I don't have a beard. I can stick them on your shirt. She goes, well, why don't you change the name? Because it sounds like you're a beard podcast. And I was like, well, that's a good point. And so that's why we changed the name to the Eric Allen Show, because it was I was niching down too far. I was just calling it the Beard of Biz because I actually started as a joke. Like if I have this podcast called the Beard of Biz, I never have to shave my beard, uh, you know, and then now I've changed it to the Eric Allen show. And I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers and success minded people. And I think that's been better for me to deep dive into the mindsets and the morning routines and what drives people, those entrepreneurs to keep going and keep being better on a daily basis. One of the things that Ed Milet told me on that call and I have it on my wall here, was is constant and never-ending improvement, canny. And that, when he said that to me, man, it just hit home for me. And I was like, boom, it's right here. I see it on a daily basis. And so I think when it comes to podcasting, find it, find out what you're passionate about and go after that. Just talk about that and find others that are doing that and have them on your show. You know, and I love that, you know, and one thing, you know, Mr. Dumas, he's a he's a, a veteran also. And one thing that we talked about was, you know, sometimes you get people that don't like to read. So they make excuses. Well, you know, um, I, I, I can't learn because I don't like to read and they don't realize, you know, Audible is like 15 bucks a month. You can get millions of books to listen to. So while you're doing your cardio, like I walk for an hour and a half every morning and I'm constantly oh. listening to books of, you know, as I've listened to his book like three or four times right? and listening to atomic habits. But, you know, sometimes I think that we have to stop making excuses. If you want, if you want to get to where you go, you know, they say insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So, and I think a lot of it has to do with our routines and our habits so yeah. I want to get into you're talking about your routine and your habit, you know, because I'm like my friend, John McCaskill, like I said, he got me into meditating for 15 minutes every morning. Mm -hmm. The first thing when I get up and not touch my phone. Yeah. And I, that really changed my life and I've changed my, my evening ritual and my morning ritual. So talk to us about changing um, our morning and evening rituals and what are your morning and evening rituals? Yeah, it's so important, man, to, to have routines to help you stay on the right path. And, and one of the guys, I haven't had him on my show yet, but I've had some good conversations with him offline, uh, is Craig Ballantyne. And he wrote this book called The Perfect Day Formula. And he talks about that book, uh, or he talks in that book about setting your day up for success the night before. So before you go to bed, you write this to-do list of the things you have to do first thing in the morning. Because what that allows you to do is when you wake up, 
you see what exactly what you have to do. Hey, I got to return this email or I got to reach out to guests or I got to make these cold calls or I got to send these cold emails instead of getting distracted with Facebook and Instagram and social media and the news and crap like that. Like he tells you to start the day before he also puts his phone in a drawer across the room. So he doesn't even see it for the first two hours of his day. But for me personally, I wake up at 4 a.m. six days a week. I had to transition to that about 10 years ago because I was working at Starbucks. But then I decided that I wanted to continue that because it allows me to wake up, work on my personal development, work on growing, work on getting podcast guests, editing my shows, you know, reaching out to potential businesses for partnerships and voiceover work and content creation. I do all of that stuff in the morning. So when I wake up at 4 a.m., like we talked early on, if I open my eyes, there's win number one. I jump out of bed. I make my bed. There's two wins in 15 seconds. I have to acknowledge that on a daily basis. If I don't acknowledge that, then it's not really getting the win. I'm just waking up and going through the day. But every morning when I jump out of bed, I mentally say, man, thank you, God, I got another day. And then I make that bed. Once I'm done in the shower, I come upstairs and my entire office wall uh, is covered and it's a vision wall I created. So when I walk into my office, the first thing that I see is pictures of my family. I see pictures of the property that I want. I see a big fat dollar bill and not that life's about money, but money can provide us to be able to bless others. And so I look at this wall. I look at the property. I look at quotes. I look at people that I want to meet like Ed in person and Tony Robbins. And I look at these quotes and I audibly say these out loud. And I say, I am statements. I am a good father. I am a good husband. I am a millionaire. I am a, the proud owner of 20 acres and my dream house sits in the middle of those 20 acres. You know, I can't wait to meet you, Ed. I look forward to meeting you, Ed. I look forward to meeting you, Tony. I look at these quotes and I say them out loud. And while I'm doing that, I have worship music going. And then I have affirmations that I read through. And once I'm done with that, I go sit in my office chair and it just is time for prayer. And really that time for prayer for me is just being grateful for what the things that I've been blessed with, man, because I am truly blessed, right? You know, I've got health. I've got family, you know, thank you, Lord, for, you know, debt free. Thank you, Lord, for the job and the finances and everything that you've blessed me with. Thank you. And then after that, I, you know, read some Bible and, you know, I listen, I read a Psalm, I mean, a, a proverb a day also on top of that. And so that just helps me get in the mode for the day. And then after that, it's boom, let's start working on things, right? I also, you know, when I wake up early at 630, I go downstairs and make my kids breakfast, make their lunches, things like that while my wife's getting ready. And then she takes them to school. And then at eight o'clock, I start my full-time gig. I've been working from home since uh, 2015. So it wasn't a huge change once COVID hit that everybody kind of went home. What is your full-time job? Uh, I work for uh, um, a swag merchandise uh, platform. Okay. So customer success. I've been in sales for 20 plus years. And uh, so I, I do that. But the reason I wake up at 4 a.m. Is, is two things. One, my desire to be successful is bigger than my desire to sleep. And two, it does not eat into my family time if I wake up early and do that while they're sleeping. Because at 5 o'clock, I shut everything down. I really try to be focused on my family. There's days where I let it slip. But most of the time at 5 o'clock, I try to put everything away and just focus on my family for, for the rest of the evening. So that's kind of my routine. Sorry, that was a really long answer. Oh, no. Uh, how to great. get there. You know, and like... You know, my friend, you know, our friend Eric Thomas always says, you know, if you went to bed broke, you had no reason to go to bed. You know? Totally. <laughs> so now um, three questions I have, and then we're going to let you go and have your beautiful day. Usually it's only two questions, but because it's you, it's going to be a third question. Come on. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, this we live in a very, very, very crazy world. Well, first of all, how do we get in touch with you? How do we find you? 
How can we, uh, if somebody wants to be mentored by you, how do we get into Eric's world? Come on, man. That's awesome. Yeah, ericallenmedia.com. It's E-R-I-K-A-L-L-E-N media.com. So the website, there's a contact us form on there. Just let me know what you're looking for. I do coaching. I do voiceover. I do laser engraving on wood pieces and custom logos and stuff like that. And uh, so that's how you can get a hold of me through the website. I'm really big on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is just Eric G Allen. It's E R I K G A L L E N. I respond to every comment and every DM. Uh, and then from there, you can follow my other pages if you want, but that's my main Instagram page there. Okay. So now second question this is usually the last one, but not for you. Okay. So, uh, um, you know, we live in a crazy world. Yeah. You know, we still live in a COVID world here in New Jersey Thanks to our amazing governor, we're going to go back on lockdown, I think. So a lot of parents are driving Uber, DoorDash, because they lost their job. They're just trying to put food in their mouth. Mm. So if you ask the average American to do something in seven days, they never going to get a chance to get to it because we're, we're so busy. Yep. But if somebody's listening to this episode right now, if we ask them to take an actionable step in the next 24 hours, they're more likely. So if somebody's struggling in their life, in their life right now, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help, especially if it's in business and in podcasting, what can they do in the next 24 hours to start to get some help? A couple of things. One, write down your goals. I know that's so cliche, but if you write down your goals and put a date on it, and I'm kind of bad at that too. Like I've wrote down my goals and not put a date on some of them. And even like this week, I was really convicted about that on, on a major goal that I have. But I can say in the next 24 hours, if someone's lost, one, write down your goals, do that, find five minutes. If it's a priority for you, you'll make it happen. The other thing is surround yourself with people who are living the life that you want to live, right? I get that we only have 24 hours in a day, but there's people online that are on there. There's YouTube videos that are on there 24-7. And if you can go, if you can't physically go be in front of somebody, you know, to get yourself uncomfortable, right? So I go to networking groups on purpose where I know nobody because I just want to go shake hands and meet people, right? So in the next 24 hours, find someone online that you can watch a video, Ed Milet, Brad Lee, you know, Bedris Koulian. Like these are just some of the people that I watch on a daily basis, right? Uh, Inky Johnson, man, Eric Thomas, these guys, Les Brown. I mean, crazy amount of people. If you just allow them to speak life into you through your computer, your phone, whatever it is, man, your life would be excellent, right? It'll give you some motivation. So if you surround yourself with the right people that are living life that you want to live, just being in their presence is going to lift you up and it's going to motivate you to be better too. So in the next 24 hours, write down your goals. If you can't physically be in front of somebody, go get in front of the screen where you can just listen to these guys speak life into you. And guys, like I told you, this next question is going to be the most important one. Um, this could be eternity changing. Um, you know, they say that if you do not feel close to God, you're the one that moved. He's, you know, he's always the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Yeah. And so now if there's somebody out there that's struggling with their faith, what is something they can do in the next 24 hours to start to find some peace in their life? One, spend some time in prayer, man. I, I think it, people are like, well, does that really work? Yes, it does. Like you talked about spending 15 minutes of meditation, right? I think that helps set the brain in that right mindset. For me, 
I get up and I have that that worship time, right? Turn on some worship music, listen to those lyrics, spend some time in the Bible, read the Bible. There's an awesome app, the Bible app. If you don't have it, go get it. It's free. There's lots of great stuff from there. So right there, just reading other passages or there's like great like reading you know seven day challenges or whatnot in there just being in that app um will change your life right but spending time in prayer that's huge right and then in the next 24 hours find somebody that's going to a church or go to a church and find somebody that's a leader in that church and just like Surround yourself with people that are going through. So there's church events. It's like crazy right now, right? Because we've got Halloween going on. So there's all this, you know, harvest festivals and stuff like that. So if it's a good church, and I, and I say that because there is a lot of judgmental people in churches, right? But there's a lot more people that are loving and caring and will accept anybody. So go find somebody that's open arms to you, no matter your situation, and just being in their presence, let them pray over you, man. Like spend time in prayer for yourself, but go let others, go find others that will pray over you. That's even online. If you got a prayer request, man, shoot it to me in the DM. I'll pray over you too. I love it, brother. So guys, if you're listening to this, definitely go to ericallenmedia.com. Amazing website. It's very easy to use, even for a low-tech redneck like me. Uh, <laughs> And you got to check out his beard. It is like majestic. <laughs> so, uh, guys, I always want to say, you know, thank you guys for hanging on. Leave a comment. But, you know, if you're struggling with anything, you know, me and Eric will definitely get back to you if you're struggling with anything. And uh, so I just want to say thank you, Eric. I appreciate you. Um, I, I, and when you do talk to Zach, tell him he's amazing. He's a game changer. Um, I'm just grateful for you. And now that, you know, you've had, I've had you on your show. Um, hopefully we get to jam a little bit more, Yeah. but hopefully, you know, this relationship is just getting started today. You know it. And yep. if there's anything I can ever do, you know, for you and your family, um, it would be my honor to call you a friend. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. This has been an amazing time on your show. You're an amazing host. You're changing the world, man, with your show. So I say, you know, keep changing the world, brother. And uh, definitely looking forward to jamming with you again. All Thank right, you so much, God man. God bless you. God bless the family. Have a safe and happy Halloween. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.